Blog Talk Radio. about releasing our fears is to just, you know, 
go with the flow and just have a wonderful time exploring. And and that's what I know we're going to do tonight. And Sabrina, I'm just so honored and happy to have you here on the brink of the release of this project, Unleash Your Inner Magnificent. And I think here right at the outset, I'd like to hear all about it. Let our audience know about this wonderful new project that's about to come into the world. Well, thank you for that opportunity. I'll tell you, Unleash Your Inner Magnificence is a compilation with 28 other courageous, brave women who are sharing their stories on their personal perspective on how they've unleashed their inner magnificence. And I can tell you that one of the common threads, I haven't read anyone else's story, only my own. (laughs) Thank goodness for that, right? (laughs) And I can tell you that the common thread seems to be joy. Joy admits the chaos and the uncertainty in life, even when we have no idea how it's going to work out and we are facing a lot of fear, somehow we can extract the joy from the everyday day-to-day activities, which seems to pull us through and help us get through some of those harder times that we all face. Yeah. Well, you know, I think sometimes we forget, or we're very quickly reminded if we do forget, that the the planet Earth experience does carry with it some challenges, and it's it's so much by design that we are here in the midst of these growth experiences. And and if we can find joy in the midst of those experiences, then um, I just that's the most expansive way to live. And I think the question that some may ask. I know you had a very difficult experience. You've had a series of challenging experiences, as many of us have. Is how can you be confident, Sabrina? How can you begin to those listening out there who say, "But wait a second, I, I can't find the joy." You know, they're thinking about something they're going through, or even looking back on the past, and it's like, how, how do I find the joy? And they want to find it. Well, and I tell you what, one of the things I say to the people that I work with is, you know, how do you find the joy when you just stepped in a fresh pile of shit? <laughs> you know? when you, and that's all you're with. I've actually done that smell. in my yard. Yeah. <laughs> and you feel like you're surrounded and you feel like everyone's coming against you and you're not catching a break. And, you know, it does have to do with the vibration. And I want to tell you, I literally found the joy through Linda Joy, who is our publisher mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. Unleash Your Inner Magnificence. And she came into my life serendipitously, of course, the way it always happens, through channels and other pe- And I was getting her name from multiple sources, and I knew I needed to pay attention. And when I finally had a conversation with her, I knew that we had a lot in common. And, of course, yeah. I said yes to this project. Yeah. I didn't want to take um not take this opportunity. But as soon as I said yes, I was like, oh no. How am I gonna <laughs> write about the feeling of magnificence when I was feeling yeah. anything but at yeah. the time. Yeah. And you know, I could have pulled out some of my trusty stories from my past but you know, I have some pretty remarkable stories because we all do. You know, we all and that's the beauty of storytelling is that not only do we heal ourselves in the process of sharing our story, we gain a new perspective, new clarity around the circumstances, compassion, love for the people that were involved in the situation with us, and 
we can then end up helping others through our story yeah. as well because they see themselves in that. And that does help when we're going through those crisis moments or the chaos that we know we're not alone. And yeah. that even if it's hard to get a whiff of joy, because it stinks sometimes, <laughs> it's yeah. easy to find when you just take a little step at a time, just something. And there's always something. There's, you know, we. I know you're a big fan of nature, like myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was and out there today with the, the eagles, yes. Mm-hmm. I know I saw your pictures of the eagles on Veterans Day. That was a wonderful, synchronistic. That was such a synchronistic moment, yes. Absolutely. And that's it. We're, we're filled with it. We're fl- Everything is information. We are yeah. swimming in a bowl of information. This magic playground that we live on is full of it. But what happens is we get so programmed in our day-to-day responsibilities and our to-do list that we lose sight of the everyday magic that surrounds us. And when we just pay a little attention, like the eagles you saw, other people could have walked by and never even noticed them. You know, but that actually there. happens all the time. I, I had an I'm, experience where a big, I know what the eagles sound like when they sing, and a lot of people don't know that. In fact, I now realize they're coming right over my house, and almost nobody knows this, because <laughs> and, and I've seen them come right to my neighborhood, and I know you live in a mountainous area. I mean, I kind of live on the edge of the city and, um, you know, on the outskirts. And so, mm-hmm. but I really do feel that, um, you know, here we are in the midst of this astounding beauty and, and that most people don't even see what's right over their heads. And and, mm-hmm. I, I've, and I didn't used to see it. There's the key, right. is that I didn't used to see it. And now that I do, it's a magical world. So, so how much does... Um, you know, that kind of awakening, Sabrina, when you begin to see things that in your world that you never noticed before, how does that help unleash the joy even more? Well, what it <laughs> well, and I can tell you, I had one of my, my awakening, my major wake-up call came in the form of a rollover accident. And yeah. it really got my attention very quickly. And even though me and my daughters were divinely protected, of course, during that, yeah. it shifted my perspective so incredibly, dramatically afterwards that I knew I was alive for a reason and I needed to find out why. But immediately after that accident, when I stepped outside the car, I had seen the bluest sky and smelled the freshest air uh-huh. I had ever smelled in my life. Yet it was the same sky and the same air that was there Ten seconds before, yes. But everything yes. changed because my awareness, the senses, everything was heightened. And then that, you know, it it's so amazing when you pay a little bit of attention. I can remember years ago when I knew that there had to be something more to life than this, than the stress, the overwork, yes. the to do list. You know, um, yeah. striving, striving instead of thriving. And I was mm-hmm. doing that very well. And I can remember being introduced to the concept of number patterns, that if you saw number patterns, you were receiving angelic guidance. And I had noticed that I had seen number, numerical patterns repeatedly, and it was Doreen Virtue's work, that angel numbers, that brought the awareness to me, and I could start interpreting the numbers. So immediately I interpreted the, the three key numbers I used to see all the time, and I got the message. 
the messages from them. And I'm like, oh, this is really neat. But as soon as I started doing that, number patterns started showing up in my life right and left. They were probably already there all the, all along, but I wasn't aware of them. And wh- it almost became to the point where I felt overwhelmed by all the number patterns coming to me. So I asked. No, I, I okay. actually can relate to that. <laughs> I once yeah. I once had a friend. I have to break in for a second. Just say I've, and for all I know, my dear friend, she may listen to a very scientific friend. And when I was in a particularly now, I will say at that time I was a little bit. It was getting a little bit overboard. But I remember once a friend saying, "My God, you're seeing what did she say? Significance in a dry cleaning coupon." <laughs> You know, because I had gotten one that was all 11s, you know. And, and I guess from the outside, that seemed really out there, you know. That, but it kept happening. You know, when it keeps happening, it's a source of, of real joy when you see it. It's like a wink or a hug from the universe. It, um, it is. It is so playful and so much fun. And, yes, when those number patterns were coming at me like that, I just said, okay, if you really want me to pay attention, let me see them twice. Now talk about fun. <laughs> Yeah, start testing this. <laughs> yeah, and they do come in more ways. Yes. Very creative. And I just have to, sometimes I laugh out loud. Nobody knows why I'm laughing, but that's okay. You know? Oh, I've been, I've been through that. And, and you know, I was just being told, um, yes, or I guess it was yesterday, the day before, whenever I had the last show, um, we were talking about one of the founders of Finhorn Gardens in Scotland. And apparently, she used to get a lot of messages in the bathroom because it was the only place where there was peace. Well, truthfully, I've been through that. It's like when you're having a very connected moment, you know, where where are you going to go, especially if you're at work. Um, and, and I know you worked as a human resource professional. And by the way, I know what that's like having I, – I used to intern in a human resource office many years ago in Colorado, New York, and I know how busy – they are. I mean, it's just a very hectic, nonstop environment, or it can be. And I don't know if right. you were real connected back then, but if you were, you know, those those who are listening who are having, you know, a spiritual connectedness, it can be kind of challenging if you're you're in the quote real, you know, real world while you're the while you're world. connecting in that way. Of course, what is well, the real world? Exactly. What is the real world? And that is, you know, as, as, well, it's not any incident or accident, I mean, that I ended up in human resources being an impasse because it's probably mm-hmm. one of the careers in corporate where you can still honor some of your gifts, you know, not even knowing yeah. what an impasse was at the time, of course. But it was during that career that I had that epiphany of something more to life in this, and then the rollover came, right? So. Yeah, I changed so dramatically, but I changed as a mother as well. And and every role that I played in my life changed and shifted. But, you know, I was that one, the benefits administrator. I was the, going to all of our offices, educating the employees, the importance of mm-hmm. health insurance and your annual exams. Young, young men, you know, in their early 20s, you don't want to not get your health insurance. You need to have it and just making sure everyone was covered. It was very safe. I was very fear-based in that reality in many ways. Mm-hmm. And then so after my rollover and the shift and I started getting trained in some energy healing and my life was changing and I was so enthusiastic, I wanted everyone else's life to change. And, you know, I ended up manifesting a work-from-home career with the same company I was with. So I was working from home four days a week, only going into the office one day a week. Now, mm-hmm. this is a 
very close-minded in many ways, civil engineering land surveying firm, and I was doing this back in the early 2000s, which wasn't necessarily where we were at at the time yet, you know, with yeah, yeah. And I saw the benefit of it. I was productive and happy and less stressed. So I was working on ways to get other employees, that flexible schedule and so forth, and I was started to bring in acupuncturists and chiropractors for our annual health insurance renewal to educate people on alternatives mm-hmm. to traditional medicine. I mean, there's a time and place for it all, and I honor all of it. I've I've used all of it. <laughs> and when things were shifting there, I I no longer felt I fit in, and I had this strong desire to leave mainly because I wanted to pursue the healing practice and reach more clients and more people. But my logical, analytical mind was like, you cannot give up this job. Yeah. You have a really good steady paycheck. It comes every two mm-hmm. weeks. You have your family covered on the mm-hmm. benefits. You may not be using them anymore, but you still have coverage. And it took me a long time to actually line up to the point, and I had to do it because I had a strong belief. And we all, you know, the interesting thing about beliefs is we come into this world without one of them. Well, maybe one, and that is that we are worthy and we are loved uh, unconditionally. I love that. And that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we come into this time-space reality in this magical playground and people are happy to see us and the people that are happy to see us tend to have a little fear based on love. They want to protect us. They want to keep us safe. And it's through the well-intentioned programming that we start to add on things that don't belong to us, these beliefs that we weren't born with but we tend to adapt to because of the environment and the people that we're raised around. And it's not a necessarily a bad thing, but unfortunately, a lot of beliefs in our world are fear-based. They tend to be based on what we don't want rather than what we do want. And so I had to start really looking, okay, I have this belief that health insurance is really important for my family. In fact, I'm paying $10,000 a year out of my paycheck. That doesn't even cover the employee employer portion, the 50% they're covering, for benefits that we're not using. And if I leave yeah. this job, how am I going to pay $20,000 yeah. for health insurance for my family? It just it, it, There was no logical way it was going to happen. But I knew, you know, I still had a, a belief, and I couldn't quite leave that job and those benefits until I got to a place where I was comfortable enough and my vibration was at a place where I knew that we would be fine. And it started with looking at the belief that I had and then going, okay, this is what I prefer instead. And I started getting and activating the belief that my family would always be able to receive the medical care that they needed and we'd always be able to pay for it no matter what. Yeah. And that was completely different than what's programmed out there in the world. I mean, there's people facing medical bankruptcy because a qu- a, you know, a visit to the ER or even outpatient surgery can bankrupt a person because yeah. of the astronomical inflated costs. And so I left that career in human resources in 2006. I left my benefits, along with my family's, behind. And we have not needed them since. So, yes, I'm, a, I'm rogue. I'm not complaining. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm finding this, this, this <laughs> episode is so interesting. There are amazing parallels in our lives and, and 
I, I'm listening to this. I mean, things you couldn't possibly know that, um, you know, because I was also in a car accident, although it wasn't rollover, but the car was totaled, and it was in Colorado, and that was very significant. And then I also telecommuted and was a telecommuting pioneer. Now, I did that because I was in another state, but it was really early on at an engineering firm where that didn't happen very much. That was actually all the way back in the the 90s. It was, um, gosh, it would have been 1990, well, starting 96, so it was really early. So, yeah, and so I'm just finding this very interesting, and a similar thing in terms of going rogue with with respect to to healthcare, although not so much, mostly just just for for me in that, you know, the sometimes what I found is that a lot, and now the facts are bearing it out that women, for for example, were being overscreened, and I always right. felt those tended to that resulted in a lot of fear and. And angst, and now we're finding out they're saying through studies that you know women have been overscreened, and it's resulted in a lot of overtreatment and you know real mm-hmm. harm. And and I'm sure it's happening in many domains within medicine. Is that you know all these things that everyone's been told they're supposed to do aren't necessarily good for you. That it's not good to be overscreened because then you get overtreated and you have issues with that. So. Right. So anyway, you know, by being rogue, we've actually been on the leading edge because it's starting to go back to trust. You know, we always felt like we had to know everything. You know, and this will will bring this back to joy, a source of joy that you're revealing in your life is coming from trust. Trust. The trust was something I had very little of. (laughs) I mean, I did not trust at all. In fact... I believe that I needed to control every little aspect, not only of mm-hmm. my life, but my family's lives and my employees' lives. So you can imagine, yes, when I'm going, there has to be something more than this. I was juggling, constantly juggling. You know, you're juggling and you keep the balls up in the air. Pretty soon they're going to start landing. You know, you think you have your ducks in a row, and by the time you get to the end, the first ones are back out of the row. You know, you're, it's a never-ending vicious cycle. But I was yeah. so low on trust. And I think it came from, you know, a lot of the fact that I didn't have a lot of faith in Mm -hmm. things working out well for me. So, of course, I mean, I had a happy life. And I want to say that I was was happy at the time of this rollover. I had my husband that I'm married to now, you know, he – completely different marriage than what I had previously. So, of course, there were so many really wonderful good things in my life to be – grateful for and blessed with my children and our health and all those things. But I wasn't at the core of myself happy. And it was because I was always taking care of everybody else's needs and not my own. And, you know, when you continue to serve and you're not taking the time to replenish, when you start to serve from an empty container, I can tell you from me in my personal experience, I wasn't a very nice person. I'd get frustrated and short-tempered, and I'd lash out because I was resentful because I felt like, can't anyone else see what needs to be done? Can't somebody else pick up the dirty dishes or, you know, put it away or oh, any of yes. those things? I totally you know, and, get that. Mm-hmm. You know, but yet it was impossible for me to ask for help because I didn't feel worthy in receiving it. 
And that comes back from the programming of, I, I, I chose the program of Catholic upbringing. <laughs> which, oh, you know, yes. <laughs> when that one's installed, you can forget about having self-esteem <laughs> or self-worth. Uh-huh. You know, and that is unfortunately something a lot of people have to deal with and that, that um, dogma. But and I still deal with the residual effects of that, and I still have to watch myself. It is a constant daily thing. It is not like I will. And none of us are going to get a certificate that we get to hang on the wall and say we've arrived and we're here and we're done. We are constant. We are energy in motion. We are constantly moving, and so we can't expect to attain a certain level and arrive and be there. Every day, there's going to be something new challenges us and can possibly take us out of our alignment if we allow it to. And that's the most important. That's my message now is living in alignment. And that means putting your oxygen mask on first, doing what you need to care for yourself, your needs, so that you can show up and be present for others, fully present, not bitter and resentful present, fully present. And that's how we serve others is when we serve ourselves first completely different belief than what I ever had before. But it goes back to those beliefs. What are we wanting to change? What serves us now? Sabrina, how were you able over the course of your life to start to incorporate some practices that helped you stay present? Like did you, um, when you were younger, did you have an awareness of of things like meditation or yoga or breath or things like that? And, And how did some of those things come into play and how can people who maybe have never dabbled in much of any of this um, be helped by some sort of spiritual practice that might help them stay centered? Well, and that's a great question because I think I want to go early on. I could go back to my childhood and I could say what I remember the most from that, the happiest times in my childhood was being outdoors being in nature. I used to have dreams of flying over our neighborhood, and I can remember playing with the trees in our yard and, you know, being outside from sunup to sundown in the summertime. That's where I wanted to be. And that's how I found connection. I didn't realize I was finding connection, but that's where my spirit soared and really felt at home. And then, you know, honestly, it wasn't until until the rollover accident shortly before Mm -hmm. that that I started really looking, okay, yoga more seriously. I mean, I had been introduced to it. What I felt like at that time was I needed to pursue the spiritual glimpses, those spiritual awakening, the glimpses when you know that there's something more to life, that you're being fully supported, that there's something helping you along this way. That's it. Yeah, and I had those, and I'd listen to Wayne Dyer on tape at work, but then, and I'd get motivated and then my fingers would go back to the keyboard and I'd start typing because, oh, I had this mm-hmm. deadline and I needed to get this stuff taken care of. And so I always look at it as like life got in the way of those spiritual glimpses until I made the conscious decision. It's like I'm going to start pursuing these because I know that there's something more. And I can tell you it was difficult. You know, when you're working full time and you're a mother and a wife and, you know, even a single mom, it's even harder, more difficult to find that time, carve out time to go to a yoga class, to go to a meditation group, to, you know, get some support for yourself. Yeah. And I can remember going, I was getting ready to leave for a yoga class one evening, and my son at the time, who's now 21, he was probably somewhere around 9 or 10, and he was begging me not to go. Please don't go, Mom. Please don't go. 
And I just looked at him, and I can remember saying, you know what, honey, I know this is hard for you, and it's hard for me to leave you as well. Cause we, you know, when you're working and raising a family, you don't always have the quality time that you want with your family. And unfortunately, yeah. we tend to use material objects to um, subsidize the fact that we don't have that quality time with them. And I can remember it, it was breaking my heart, and, you know, with the mother guilt is very strong. Mm-hmm. Thing that you know will pull us and and cause us to not do things that we would want to do because we're trying you know we're sacrificing for those that we love, and I can remember looking in his little eyes and just saying, "I know this is hard, but I need to do this. In fact, this is what's going to help me be the best mom I can be for you." Yes, yes, yes. and that shifted something in that moment for me when I realized that's the truth. That right there is the truth, and we have to do that. It's so imperative. And so what I do on a daily basis, I have what I like to call my joy list. And with my joy list, I have five things that bring me joy. The the only reason I do them is is because I receive something from that. It, It feels good. It lifts me up. And this is what I coach people to do all the time, and I encourage your listeners to do this too, is create your joy list. And, you know, just write out five or so things that bring you joy. And when you I get your list... I love that. I love I, it. It's, it's so, <laughs> well, it's great. giving myself permission, because then I have my list, because I'm a list person, because, you know, if I can check things off, <laughs> then I'm accomplishing something, <laughs> and I can feel good about myself, right? No, but so I have my list, and... I committed to 15 minutes each day to do one item, just one item from that list, just 15 minutes, one item, because I have a very strong no time, no money vibration, or I did at the time, you know, when all this was happening. It's like, oh, I don't have time or money for that. You know, it sounds great and everything, but it's not going to happen. And so 15 minutes a day is manageable. I mean, even I could carve out that 15 minutes a day. And what I found is when I was doing that, I would gain exponentially productivity back. I mean, things would get done. Things would get done easier, faster, yes. without resistance. Yeah. And and people would call me versus me having to hunt them down. Um, you know, emails would arrive. Every all these little synchronistic things would start to happen that I didn't have to force or make happen, mainly because all I was focusing on was doing something that brought me joy. And one of the things that I found that is I've, I've coached people through the years with this one is as they make that joy list and they have it, the aha moment after their list, I, I guarantee that I'd say 95% of the people have four, at least four items on their list that do not cost a dime. Mm-hmm. The only investment is time. You know, it it runs so counterintuitive, and yet it is so true. I, I I had an experience last week, Sabrina, where I was getting ready for for an expo, and and um, I had so much to do, and yet there came a point where I needed to leave. I had to go for my walk out in nature. I had to do it, even though my list was a mile long. And I swear, if I hadn't done that. Um, I never would have gotten everything done, and 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 you know it can seem like 
like you're you're almost neglecting whatever the thing is you're supposed mm-hmm. to be doing, and yet what you're really doing is allowing yourself to come to to be fully present with whatever the thing is that you need to do and you know something that that you said Sabrina um you know when it comes to family and you know if if we i i know that when i i could have learned so many things when i was younger that i didn't know and if i had only allowed myself to have more timeouts it would have really helped but i didn't and yet it impacts the quality of you know it, it's quality time that that's so important and if you nurture yourself you'll be able to create that so much more effectively that that's the truth right there because honestly i can tell you i've been present or i've been in the room but i haven't been present when i'm overworked or my mind is thinking about yeah. all these other things that i need to get done and my kids are sharing with me something that happened with their day and I'm only half listening. And then I realize, like, halfway through the story as I'm shaking or nodding my head and, yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that I haven't heard a word that they said. And so I've just done a huge disservice to them because they're learning that what they have to say isn't important. And I've done a yeah. huge disservice to myself because I'm multitasking, in my, even if it's just in my mind, I'm multitasking. And, you know, you want to talk about, yeah, I know what you're saying. You have to take that walk. You have to do something, something that brings you joy, something that just diverts your attention for a moment to clear the energy, move the energy through, because you need to find your breath. Because we oftentimes are accomplishing things from our list and we're not breathing through it. And so it's, it's a rigid, difficult, strenuous process versus just a natural flow. And, you know, my goodness, I'm getting, you know, we have the book launch tomorrow for Unleash Your mm-hmm. Inner Magnificence, and I'm getting in a car tomorrow driving to Santa Fe, which is oh. about seven hours from where I live. Yes. In order to do, write my book this weekend, because, you know, I have nothing else to do. So I'm going to go do a Write Your Book in a Weekend retreat with Tom Bird. Oh, that's right. You had mentioned that. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that would probably be the only way I can get my book written. <laughs> well, I can't wait to share. I, I, I'm very excited about the process. I have had a, uh-huh. I've had one of those books locked inside me for many years. I've, I've had, uh-huh. you know, I have my book proposal done that has gone nowhere. Great. And I don't take the time to write because I do have yes. a very busy life, and I, I know that. I need to sequester myself. And I'm very excited about this. Tom is one of my clients, and. I've been familiar with his work now for a few months, and I now mm-hmm. finally get to experience it for myself. But, you know, yes, I'm driving to Santa Fe. I'm going away for four days. I have work that is piling up, of course, while I'm gone. And, you know, I'm planning on leaving at Thanksgiving time to celebrate my parents' 50th anniversary that my sister and I are oh, hosting and, nice. and putting together. So, yeah, I've got a lot wow, of balls in the air. That. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yes, but, you know, when it comes to the book thing, I think many of us can relate to that. And I have found, in my case, I might do a lot of writing, but whether it's actually for a specific project that I've had also on my, um, well, it goes both ways. I think that when a book is ready to come, it comes. I do believe Mm -hmm. that, but it's so true that many of us, we don't find the time to put into some of those projects that are are really vital to us um, that that we would like to spend time on. And I find this very interesting that you're going to this retreat. 
Well, right. I mean, and this is actually a very classic example of how we maneuver through life. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the majority of people can say that they feel like they have some sort of book inside them, something that's calling them, and and yet we put it on the back burner because we have yeah. all these other obligations and responsibilities, and it's not practical to carve out a four days or you know, and that's the thing. It's like in our mind, we're going to say it's going to take months, and it, and it does. Many books take that long. Now, this philosophy that Tom has is, is he creates that connection that allows the book to flow through. That those people, those brilliant authors who have written those books that are just obviously channeled and it's moving through. Mm-hmm. That's what they experience. They get connected and it flows. That's true. You know, and I can tell you, for me to write, I work really well with a prompt. I work really well with a deadline because I'm a performer. I like to achieve things. I'm like, you know, to get recognition it makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yet I find that I edit as I go along. I mean, and if, but you know, I'll get like you were talking about the bathroom earlier. I'll be in the shower. I get my <laughs> downloads in the shower, the warm water. Uh-huh. I've even had my phone in the shower at times thinking I was going to capture it in a waterproof container. Like, i got to oh capture God. this because by the time I get out of the shower, get dried off, get to a device to, cap, you know, book, tablet, computer, whatever, to write that out, it's gone. It's, it, you know, it just goes that quickly. It's, it's like the water down the drain, you know. And so it's really, and, you know, you have those brilliant words that just flow. And you're like, wow, this is great. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I I know what you're talking about. You know, we need to, maybe it has been created. I know they've created some sorts of devices that you can take in your shower. Although, on the other hand, I think that many would be horrified by that. It's like you can't even get away in your shower. But I know exactly what you're talking about when you have something that's coming through and you, you just can't wait. The words are just coming through, the thoughts from your heart. And you can't wait to get it down, and and it's right there. And if you don't, then a lot of times it is lost. That that is very true. And so it does take um, spontaneity and really listening to be a writer from the heart. Uh, it that is very true, and and it can come at any time. <laughs> it can. It, it it does. And I can tell the times that it has, and I've made it to the computer, and I'm typing away, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm getting it. And then inevitably I have somebody walk in the room and say, Mom. Ah, <laughs> <I'm like, "What?" laughs> uh, yes. Or honey. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gone. You know, and that just breaks that mm-hmm. creative cycle. So I'm very much looking forward to having this quiet, alone time where I get to see what's possible when I'm allowed in that state. And I will keep you posted on how it goes. I, yeah, I think, I think we'll all be really experience. curious because a lot of us enjoy your updates and how you're doing. You're you're a very I might say to the audience um that and, and actually welcome those of you who are listening who are coming from different spiritual paths because I'm once again so thankful to Blog Talk Radio for putting us out on the front page during prime time and I think that what Sabrina Fritz is sharing here in fact why don't we just reintroduce the show real quick for those of you who are just joining us because we're really talking today um, we're talking about joy, but we're also talking about a new book project that's coming out tomorrow. Um, Unleash your inner magnificence. Mag- can I say this word? Magnificence, and um, <laughs> it, it's all about courageous women. And Sabrina is one of the women in the book, and we're talking a lot about about parenthood. And um, now I'm losing the track of my question, of course, because I, I took a break to say that. But but what I do want to say 
is that this is so applicable across the board. You know, when I was the parent of a young child, I was I was in Kansas, I was around the most conservative people. I at that time was leaning that way and we faced the same challenges. I mean it it's it's this is a universal thing. It's not just one spiritual path where no. we can we can create this connection and in fact maybe that's worth talking about as well right here is that no matter what your path um how much has having that sense for you sabrina that sense of the divine the universe god angel spirit however and i know you said it came to you in numbers and in different ways but how much does that add to your days in terms of joy well it adds tremendously, and I love that you're talking about the fact that it, there's not one path because I'm going to be honest here. At, at, there was a point in my adulthood that I became very jaded and upset about the, the upbringing I had, not against my parents or anything, but the education and the, the church because of the self-esteem issues and self-worth issues that I was dealing with. And I became very critical of that religion and mm-hmm. judgmental of the people there, which is ironic because when I was a little girl, what I never understood is why the people that I was surrounded by were judging other Christians from other traditions. I couldn't understand, or even other religions, that we were looking down upon or you know, were, were trained to look down upon other people and their beliefs. And I didn't understand how God would have, you know, why was this religion the one that was so special? <laughs> you know? yeah. And so I, I kind of turned on everything. But in my um, mid-20s, I was in a relationship, I was in a marriage that wasn't healthy. And just, it was very dysfunctional. It was abusive. And I turned to alcohol. I turned to ex- ex- external things to fill a void, shopping, you know. Um, and alcohol were my main vices, and to the point where I was abusing it and knew I had a problem and needed to stop, especially yeah. if I ever had found the courage to leave that relationship, and um, which I did, but at that time I went into Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's where I was introduced to a non-judging higher power, and yeah. it was like a breath of fresh air for me mm. because all of a sudden it was the weight of this world, my shoulders, where I crunched, was lifted. And I was like, wait, you know, okay, this feels good. And I started really finding my reverence again during that time and started to let go of some of the judgment. But when I had that rollover accident and was able to really expand my consciousness and my knowledge and wisdom of looking at the world in a different way, that's when I got to the point of realizing, okay, it is multiple paths, and everyone has their yeah. own journey. The most yeah. important thing always is for the person to find what resonates well with them, and that's, that's all it. that matters. As long as it feels good to them and it brings them joy in their beliefs, then that's the path they need to follow, regardless of what it is and then regardless of how I feel about it, you know, um, or anyone else for that matter. And that is a very freeing thing, to be able to find the reverence once again. And interestingly enough, after the rollover accident, I had a reading where 
I was told that, you know, from my angels that I had made a quick trip during that accident. And I didn't have any recollection of this. The woman that was doing the reading was quite surprised. She says, you don't remember, you know, when you were upside down, your head hit the roof, boom, it went down on your shoulder, and you were gone. Now you're given 16 things to do. And I went, what? She says, yes, you've been given 16 things to do before you go back. And I sat with that information, and I vacillated between being, you know, a little disappointed and hurt because I was rejected <laughs> to also getting a to-do list from God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm already stressed and overworked, and now I have this <laughs> list that I have to do before I go back because uh-huh. I wasn't good enough. Is that it? <laughs> you know. Well, there was one tangible item, and the rest of the things were more intangible, and it has to do with your, me evolving as a spirit, as a soul on this planet, and helping others in the process, but it was one of those things that finding your reverence was yeah. on that list. And that's what yeah. I knew. It's like, yes, that's what I'm, and I'm, that joy of connecting to that non-physical part of us, God, love, universe, source, many, many words, doesn't care what you call it. I, I tend to jokingly call it Bob because it lightens the mood and takes people away from any type of dogma they have may have around certain names. Yeah. And when you make yeah. that relationship, that's the, the the alignment that takes place. When you align to that relationship, that source, that non-physical being within you, that higher power, that is when you can stand fully present and in a place of non-judgment and actually being able to see people making the choices they're making mainly because it does bring them relief. I mean, everything that everyone does in this world is that the belief that they're going to feel better in the doing of it or the having of it. And that's all what yeah. any of us want. We want to feel relief. We want to feel joy, contentment, all those things. And we tend to judge the way people bring that into their lives if it doesn't line up with the beliefs and the programming that we have. And far too often what's happening in today's world, is, and you may have seen my post yesterday on this, is that it's just people are finding more pleasure in being offended than by what pleases them. And that's what we need to knock off. We need to just get clear, what is it that pleases us? And derive pleasure from that. That is so true. You know, it's it's. I didn't actually see it because I'm a little behind. Um, That is a powerful statement. You know, I had blogged about something somewhat similar. Just that there's just everybody's angry so much. I know with this election going on and everything, and there are many issues that people care deeply about, but. There's a lot of anger, and I see it even in the the metaphysical community. And I understand. I mean, we care about things. It's not that you don't care about things, but it's just um, somewhere along the line, like we're going to lose track of our our joy and our center if if we keep lashing out. You use that term, and it's so true. And, you know, somewhere there's a balance. I think, you know, when you talk about life alignment, Sabrina, I can't help but think of balance. You know, where do you balance that caring deeply about something and yet, you know, not letting it constantly just, you know, be in Run your life. anger mode, you know, just projecting anger and, and instead of at least attempting to understand, you know, if we could just get closer to 
to dialoguing with people, even if you don't agree. I mean, somewhere there's a balance. There is, there has to be a balance, and you have to find that. And you're, you know, it's it's not always easy. What I find helps me, for one thing, I adopted Wayne Dyer's philosophy many years ago, and I turned off the news. I turned, mm-hmm. I just, we don't have the news on in our house. Actually, we don't have cable TV in our house, and gosh, we haven't had news I, ten years easily in our home, and. That helps tremendously because I realized what was happening to my habit was, oh, I'd watch ER. I was a big ER fan, followed by the 10 o'clock news. What was I going to sleep with? What was in my vibration when I fell asleep at night? Tragedy, trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, fear. And that's what my cells were absorbing. And when I just stopped having the news on in the house, the vibration of the energy in the house shifted because there wasn't that fear programming coming in. And that's the thing. It's like there's so much good in this world, and there's there's a lot of wonderful people in this world. They don't get the spotlight. Unfortunately, the dysfunctional ones that are causing harm to others are the ones that get the spotlight, and sometimes that's what motivates them. And we really need to look at what our media is doing. I mean, we you know we know for our young women, and especially that the body image that's coming through the media is, is unattainable and creates yeah. a lot of eating disorders. You know, another yeah. thing that the media has done, when we talked about this a little earlier, you know, when you talked about the tests that women go through, breast cancer. Susan G. Coleman mm-hmm. has done more for breast cancer cases than it ever has for curing. They're yeah. not interested in a cure. That exactly. message has brought more breast cancer into the world than anything else. And now we have the NFL, I hear, dressing up in pink in October. So, you know, it becomes part of the mass consciousness. We're not healing breast cancer. We're creating more breast cancer patients because our thoughts and our awareness are focused on cancer. And that's just a simple law of attraction. It's even more than that. I mean, it's that they've made the screening so precise that the smallest cancers that don't need to be treated are being treated. And so the tragedy is that many, many women who've been told they have breast cancer that needs to be treated don't need to have it treated. And so people will tell you, and it's really hard for these women because they've been through a lot. I mean, and I have people in my family that have dealt with things, and um, it's a real, well, it's also, I mean, it's a moneymaker too, unfortunately. I mean, there's some darker aspects here. But the thing is, is, um, yeah, I mean, we are undermining the joy. I mean, we're creating this society. I mean, in the latest thing that's been upsetting me, I know that, that, that well, we could do a whole show on this, but just um, a lot of people um, are really being hurt by by right. the climate that's going on right now and, and even the bullying of women that happens and, and, other women bully women and and that's mm-hmm. not appropriate and you know that that there are many ways of approaching this and that that there's actually evidence that shows that um the over aggressive treatment is causing a lot of pain so so anyway yeah that's undermining joy of women everywhere and the fear of it yes undermining and it just draws 
you know, it, it, even if even if it didn't draw it out in some way, it would at least, you know, every little thing becomes something that has to be treated and to be frightened of, and then we've got people just doing really extreme surgeries and things out of fear, and it's You're really too bad. Right. It, it, it it's really oh, uh, impacting us all. It Well, and that's it. It's like, thankfully, you know, I've never been facing a doctor that's telling me a diagnosis that... And and the likelihood, you know, the, the proper treatment. Yeah, and, and that's, that's recommended not an treatment. easy. Right. No, it, I can't imagine being placed in that position and and trying to determine, you know, what is the most appropriate course for you to move forward. And that and you have to make choices not only for yourself but for your family, and oftentimes, and and what resonates with you. One of the things that I can tell you that I've experienced from my life is when I stop the belief that you go to a medical doctor for every little sniffle and because I was raised that way. Now I have my children range in age from 26 to 14. I have 3. So I have a 26, 21 and 14-year-old. Now my 26 and 21-year-old have both had their tonsils removed when they were children. I had my yes. tonsils removed when I was 4 years old. They were at a point where the the medical field was stopping. They weren't removing tonsils mm-hmm. like they used to. Like when I was a kid, you know, it's just like you just. Oh yeah, when I was a now, kid. No, I mean I was four, and I had chronic tonsillitis, and it was necessary from my, you know, or beyond penicillin all the time, was my option. So yeah. yes, my older kids, the doctors originally know we don't remove tonsils, and when I asked, you know, and after multiple ear infections for my daughter and multiple strep and strep throat <laughs> for my son. Um, and lots of antibiotics through the years, eventually they had their tonsils removed at different times, but they did. Now, my 14-year-old, she still has her tonsils, and she's never been on an antibiotic. What's the difference? Wow. My belief changed. I changed the way I approach life. I changed the way I approach well-being. You know, Mm -hmm. so it does make a big difference. And that goes back to what Bruce Lumpton talks about all the time with epigenetics. You know, it's not our DNA that determines whether or not we necessarily are going to get cancer. They have proven that through adoption, epigenetics, epigenetics is your environment. Your environment focuses more on your genes and your outcome, which means the news you bring in, the things you eat, the things you listen to and believe have more of an effect in you than your DNA and what you inherited because children that are adopted have the same propensity towards cancer from their adopted parents that have it when their biological parents did not. And it's because of the environment they were in. It is very fascinating and very interesting, which just means that we always have to tune in, listen to our thoughts. When we have a thought, listen to your body. What is your, how does your body, does it tighten, restrict, shut down? Or does it expand and open up and become light? You know, listen to everything that you say, everything that's said to you. When you, you we all have those people that like to tell their stories. And they're st- when I'm not talking about an uplifting story, they've gone through something and they've learned from it, but rather their story of why, poor me, life is this way, it's this way. Well, they're telling their story over and over again. They're like a hamster on a wheel. They're going to keep getting the same stuff. It might show up in a different person, you know, they might date a different person, but basically the name, you know, the name has changed and the looks are changed, but it's the same person because they haven't done anything to clean up their vibration. And they're still telling the same old story. And that victim vibration, I knew it well, I sung it well, 
It stays yeah. with you, and you'll find victimization over and over again. So listen to your story. And listen to the people around you when they're telling you the story. And pause. I mean, I, abrupt, I, I, I interrupt people all the time. If they're telling me their story, I'm like, stop. Tell me what you want instead. And they're like, what? I said, no, tell, tell me what you want instead. And that's where we need to start shifting and start telling the new story. What do we want instead? Because we get really comfortable in what is, and we complain about what is, and what is keeps happening. So if you want what is to be different, you've got to tell a new story. Yes, yes, that's so powerful, Sabrina. And you know what? We have just so quickly gone through an hour. I don't know how we did it. And 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 yet here we are at the end of the show. And I, uh, Of course. Of the live show anyway. And I want to make sure people know. Um, actually, I'm going to make a couple quick announcements before the live audience because they leave us awfully fast. I, first, I want them to know that your website is sabrinafritz.com, and I'll give you a chance to address them in just a second. But I also want to let people know before it goes down that the, the next show is Friday. What is it today? It's the 11th, so Friday the 13th. Oh, 13th. Friday the 13th. <laughs> 12 noon Pacific. That Mary Heath is coming back for part two of Get Your Life Back. So that'll be very compatible with today's show as well. And that's 12 p.m. Pacific on Friday. And so now... Sabrina, I want you to have the opportunity. First of all, I want to thank you. I'm so happy you came on my show. It's just so fun to have you here. So nice. You know, we may have to do another show that's all about play. You know, we didn't get into that as much. I, it, this is usually the case. There's always more to talk about. But congratulations on this wonderful project coming out. And I just want to give you the opportunity to, to leave some final words for the live audience as well. Well, thank you, Susan, and I had fun, and I I welcome any opportunity for us to play together. I think we would always have a good time, <laughs> and I do look forward to that. We finally get to meet in person at some point and uh, yes, do that. That yes. would be wonderful. Hopefully next month I'm still keeping my fingers crossed. I hope crossed. so. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how our day-to-day goes, though. Well, and I just want to tell you, yes, you know, your listeners, your show name says it all, The Frontier Beyond Fear. You know, everything in life comes down to love or fear. And if we're living in fear, we can't experience love. So I just invite everyone to find ways to invite more love into their life and start letting some of that fear go. And then see what the magic of the universe has in store for you. Perfect. That is such a, yeah, that's one of the best expressions I've heard of the, the in a nutshell, the message of this show. And, and thank you so so much, Sabrina. Um, it's been a real joy to have you here tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. I'm, and thank you for helping us um, launch Unleash Your Inner Magnificence. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited for you, all of the women. I'm excited to see the project, too. So take care, then, and thank you. All right. Thank you, and enjoy your evening. Bye-bye. Thanks. Just a quick important note, since it is November 11th, that it's Veterans Day, and I thought about my own father today and so many, and, you know, Veterans Day is different than Memorial Day. We're always reminded, although it's often confused, is um, and it's also very much beyond just the, the U.S., that it's, it's observed in different ways in different parts um, of Europe especially, and I'm not even sure how far it goes, but it's definitely beyond here. Um, and I just wanted to say um, a thank you 
to the veterans who are out there who are listening. And just that, um, you know, I'm thankful for my own father, and and he transitioned a couple years ago, and I just happened to to come across something I had written about him on Facebook, reminding me again tonight just, um, you know, how Veterans Day, the very last one he was here, was very significant for him. He, He actually had a really important conversation with his grandson that day, and it was the last time he ever talked to his grandson, and it was magical as if he knew, and that's the way life can be. Even in the midst of struggles and grief and, you know, people passing on. I had a a friend pass on this week, and it's come as a shock to some people in the Portland area. I know that that people who are aware of that. And, And yet, you know, it is part of life, and we can find peace with these things and and know that there is there is peace and there is love and we are always supported no matter what so thank you everyone for being here today once again the next show is friday um, november 13th at 12 noon pacific that's with mary heath and as i said it'll be a very compatible topic we hardly brush the surface of her book get your life back and this time we're going to talk more about some of the specific steps that we can take to get beyond stress and anxiety and depression and all the things that tend to bring our joy levels down and and our satisfaction levels down in life. So that's our goal, to find our way to more fulfilling, joyous paths based in the heart. Take care, everyone. Thank you.